You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And hello, America. Welcome to another edition of Greg's This Live, the home of serious journalism, only on AmericasWebRadio.com, coming at you a nary seven days away from the most important election of your life. I know you hear that every election. It's kind of weird, isn't it? This one, really, it's pitting um, what we find out more and more about Hillary Clinton is more and more damning for her. The good news for people that love freedom and hate corruption is all of these controversies and scandals um, that involve Hillary Clinton, which is a ton of them, the, uh, the turnout for her supporters is being suppressed and turned down and not being suppressed by by these nefarious Republican efforts, but by the fact that she's corrupt, unexciting, and the Democrat base is just fed up with it. So that is good news for the Republicans. Voter enthusiasm is likely uh, slanted towards the Republican side now. I will say that a lot of the um, the never-Trumpers have started to come around a little bit because if you look at it analytically, you may not like Donald Trump, but I can assure you, you're going to like his cabinet and his appointments a hell of a lot better than you're going to like what Hillary Clinton would put up. Right now, we're seeing Loretta Lynch, the Attorney General, stymieing some of this information. We had James uh, from the FBI, he had a Comey-to-Jesus moment, if you will, and uh, it was the October surprise for the anti-Hillary Clinton folks. That was on Friday. David, what were you thinking when that came out? Were you thinking this was just kind of a distraction, or did you think it had legs? Right now, I think we know that it does have legs. Yeah, I, I don't think he would have come out with it if it didn't have legs. The other the other thing that, that really sort of, for lack of better words, pissed me off was the, that it was again misrepresented by media and Fox and by everybody. Right. Comey clearly stated under oath, under oath, if something changed, he would go to Congress and let them know. Right. And it wasn't like uh, he came out and did another press conference. He came. He went to Congress, did what he was supposed to, sent him a letter that new extenuating circumstances or whatever had come to light and that um, they were going to readdress the issue. That's what he had to do. Now, the media came out with, you know, he announced that, uh, no, somebody leaked it from Congress that they had gotten a letter. The second thing is, if he hadn't have done it, in my opinion, mm-hmm. if he had waited a week to do it or two weeks to do it or after the election... I would. Uh, I'd have a whole lot more fault with him then than I do now. I have no right. fault with him now. I think he did what he had to do. Yeah. Um, well, I don't agree with what he did in July. I have a lot of fault with that. <laughs> but um, you know, it's, it's like everything else, Greg. Now, you're an insider more so than I am. But am I? Do you mean drop, I'm establishment? <laughs> we're a drop in the bucket on knowing what's going on up there. Well, and, that's uh, true. You know, I, I think I love. Uh, Trump's draining the swamp. I think that's pretty damn accurate. Yep. Well, I do too. And and if you look at the uh, the investigation that came out in July, the uh, Comey at the press conference said yes, she was uh, reckless 
and careless. And this is national security, folks, not the uh, cat videos and yoga routines we're talking about. This is national security. Uh, and, and, and it's, it's a serious problem. It, it goes to the trustworthy factor. She destroyed more than 30,000 emails and 15 devices after they were under subpoena. That, that's, that is incontrovertible. That, that happened, my friends. You know, one other thing that nobody is bringing up is that supposedly she and Billy Boy were attorneys. I'm not sure which crackerjack box she got out her <laughs> law license from. <laughs> But suppose okay, and and I keep hearing this damn word intent. Right. You tell me, and I'm not. I'm not a. I just barely made it through Texas Tech. But I know enough that for her to come out and yell transparency, I want to know what Comey has, and we want to see it right. You can't. It's an ongoing, and even right. I know that it's an ongoing investigation. He can't say anything. Now, with that being said. You look at her record, and if intent, if, you know, you and I might be dumb enough to set up our own servers. <laughs> we might be that stupid. We might be stupid enough to say, well, let's go beat them to death. Let's beat our cell phones to death with a sledgehammer. Right. We might be, because we're not attorneys. <laughs> but now this lady is supposedly, or was supposedly an attorney. You think she didn't have and, intent? And the Secretary of State and a U.S. Senator uh, and a First Lady. So there's a myriad of of jobs and positions and uh, uh, experience that she should have. She she knew full well what she was doing. I, 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 I mean, shit, yeah, I, I mean, I think that that's what we really need to be talking about is when you manually destroy 14 devices. It turns out they weren't able to get all of them. Because our friend uh, Huma Abedin <laughs> and uh, Mr. Weiner, they teen, they turned out they kept theirs, which is kind of neat. Well, we'll let people think about Weiner's while we go <laughs> to a break. How about that? Okay, great. Obamacare is failing. We all know that, but you need to know why and what you can do to get us back on the right track. Visit us at ObamacareWatch.org. This is Grace Marie Turner of the Galen Institute. Join us at ObamacareWatch.org. Okay, we're back. That was the shortest break in the I know. Uh, in I was history. about to say that was what we call the uh, I had to. I had to clear <laughs> the odor uh, around me out because of the... It smelled like was, it smelled uh, like fish. Okay, rotting. Fish, yeah. Oh, speaking is, of that, yeah. and you know, I've, I've spoken to you about that. I thought uh, Hillary was sick. Did you see the thing about? And it was one of her aides that came out with it in one of the letters that was published about the fact that there are times that people can't tolerate being around her mm-hmm. because she stinks, literally. <laughs> I'm not making. Was it that out. in the Podesta emails that we've been able to read? <laughs> I, I know. I mean, it could be. I don't. I mean, you know, I. Uh, it does seem like her little health scare that seems to be over. I think that uh, that perhaps she did have walking pneumonia. The problem is the innate corruption inside of her won't ever go away. That goes to the marrow, my friend. <laughs> I'm not sure. I, I, I've you know we deal with a lot of doctors here. And, yep, Elena and, George. Uh, most of them, without naming names, but most of them <laughs> feel like, uh, you know, when she takes her two- and three-day breaks, that she's taking some type of super cocktail. 
It could be. She may be getting the formaldehyde reinjected. I don't know. Yeah. You know, we've always wanted to give a shout out to Madame Tassad's wax museum. They made her look incredibly lifelike during the debates. Um, you know what I was noticing too? We just had a, a you know Halloween season. It's eighty five degrees and Halloween, baby. That's uh, <laughs> that's very typical for Welcome to Miami in the uh, in the Georgia area where we're uh, headquartered here. I saw so many Hillary for prison Halloween costumes. It was amazing. There's a lot of Trump costumes. But a lot, and I think that that's a that's a sign that people are not afraid to, uh, I guess, question her moral authority and her. She's very morally uh, corrupt, morally bankrupt, if you will. But you rarely, you didn't really see people. People are kind of afraid to uh, um, accuse Obama just because the left took anybody that accused him and said you're a racist. It's hard to do that with Hillary Clinton because she's an old white lady. So you can't you can't really say oh you can say if it's a man doing it it's because he hates women that's that's their narrative but I don't think people are buying that. Let me let me ask. Uh, we've talked about this on other shows. This is a, and I've been around for lots of elections, many years. years, many moons, and I have never <laughs> seen the lack of yard sign. There's not a yard sign in my neighborhood. Really. Bumper stickers you don't see. Right. I saw I saw Obama Biden bumper sticker. <laughs> oh yesterday. yeah. Oh, I see none in Carter around uh, my area in Decatur. Uh, but you're right. I don't see any. I see some. I see more Gary Johnson uh, signs up. It seems like than certainly Trump where I'm at where I live. And if you're not seeing Trump where in your bright your bright red area, then. Uh, I don't. I don't know what the. I don't know why that is. It's. It's hard to say. Maybe people just don't want to be accused of uh, uh, every accusation that's been thrown at Trump. And frankly, you're not in an area that would have too many Clinton cane up, right? I wouldn't <laughs> think so. But uh, you know, there's, there's always a. But there are no signs. And uh, just driving through the infamous grocery store parking lot. Mm-hmm. No bumper stickers. A few bumper stickers as well. Yeah, I see. Um, I see a decent share. Uh, the commercials have been on. Uh, Trump is obviously, you know, having to spend some money in Georgia. It's been. Uh, I think it looks. I think he's going to win by at least eight points here personally. But uh, it has been a little bit of a battle. See. We're seeing. Greg says eight points. Yep, eight points. I think. I think the uh, Gary Johnson and Jill Stein will cumulatively get about three percent. Um, that's always what happens. No matter what they're pulling at right now, it, when people actually go vote, it'll be, I guess, I'm guessing, 3%. And I think that the Democrat turnout is going to be down. Now, Republicans, you can't count on that, but I think it's going to be very, very difficult, if not impossible, for Democrats to match... Uh, anything close to 2008, and I don't think they're going to hit 2012 levels. And uh, that's good news for Republicans, but it means you need to go vote, and you need to vote the entire way down the ballot, especially in these state Senate and state House races, because the Democrats tend to only vote for the top ticket. They have a lot of what's called ballot bleed. And they'll have like 20% less votes for some of their candidates because people drop off. Now, Republicans drop off too. Just not as as fast of a rate that the Democrats typically do. And it's just very important for Republicans to make sure you vote for every race on the ballot. You uh, you realize what the folks across the pond are giving? They're giving Hillary four to one odds. Uh, which are we talking about? The Brits or yeah, the, the French Brits. or no, the the, Brits. the the Russians have it at two to one. <laughs> hmm. I'm just kidding. I don't know, but uh, they um, 
You know, you always have to pivot in and say well, something about he, the Russians. Well, here's the, here's the problem because the electoral map just, you know, Democrats start off with California and New York in their column. Typically, the Republicans can put Texas safely in there. Uh, if you look at the numbers with, Ob- um, with Obama versus Romney, Trump has a lot of work to do in some of these states. Virginia is no longer really in play anymore, and that, that certainly hurts for the, the, the Southern strategy. North Carolina was won by Romney. It is imperative. It's critical. It's crucial. It has to happen for Trump to win there. We're going to have uh, our friend Rachel Dodsworth. She's on the ground up in North Carolina. She's going to be calling in at about 2.45, talking about what's going on there. They have the governor's race. They have a, a U.S. Senate race, and it absolutely must be won by Trump. Otherwise, he's got to win this. He's got to cobble together a bunch of left-wing states that, frankly, are just not very likely. Pennsylvania is possible. Ohio is trending his way. But he'd have to basically win Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Ohio, and maybe Michigan if he if he wasn't able to pull in uh, North Carolina. It's, it's that it's that important to him. Speaking of Ohio, I I must say, and this is got to go for a real break in a second. But Kasich, talking about somebody, I've been disappointed. He goes and votes and writes. Did in he write in McCain? McCain. Is that what? Yeah, that, and then I think McCain wrote in Kasich or something. <laughs> I, I, I'm really tired of these these self-aggrandizing folks. I get it. You don't like Donald Trump. You're bitter that you lost to him. But answer me this. Is a Donald Trump cabinet and uh, no. bureau- better? Cut out cabinet. One word. Supreme Court. Supreme Court. Sc- SCOTUS. One acronym. Anyway, I guess we'll go ahead and take our uh, two uh, two fourteen break here, or six fourteen if you're listening at the replay. We'll be back. David Johnson from Strategic Vision is going to call in. We're going to do a an analysis of kind of the entire outlook, state by state, and also some of these Senate seats that it's fairly critical for Republicans to win. I haven't been able to keep us up up as much with the Senate, so I'm going to be an eager learner as well. Stay tuned. You're listening to Greg's List. Obamacare is failing. We all know that, but you need to know why and what you can do to get us back on the right track. Visit us at ObamacareWatch.org. This is Grace Marie Turner of the Galen Institute. Join us at ObamacareWatch.org. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose. And with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 
and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. This is Lawyer Liz. Join me each week as we discuss drones, the Internet of Things, and all the technology in between. It's Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz, Wednesdays at 2. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And welcome back to Greg's List Live, the home of serious journalism, coming at you on America's AmericasWebRadio.com. We're near a seven-day, one-week period from uh, the, the most important election of your life. I say that all the time. But uh, wanted to welcome back our old friend David Johnson. We had David on, um, I can't believe it's been so many months, but uh, once Trump won it, we didn't have to gossip about who was going to win the Republican primary anymore. But uh, it's crunch time now, and I wanted to bring in David so we could talk a little bit about the... Uh, uh, electoral college, which states that Trump has a chance to win, and also some of these Senate seats that uh, to give us an update on that, because as we have seen, it's critical that the Republicans keep control of the Senate to stop the uh, communist uh, Democrat progressive agenda. See, I threw all that in there just to, just for a little propaganda. David, welcome back to Gregsis. How are you, man? It's great to be on. Hey, thanks for uh, calling in. So, uh, been a little while. I've been keeping up with your uh, your, your posts on uh, on social media, your analysis. Uh, I got to say, things have certainly turned around for the better uh, with the Trump campaign, right? They have, but you know, we're seven days out, and anything can happen. <laughs> and what I'm saying is, if the Clinton campaign, if I were advising them, and so far they haven't done it, thankfully. I would try to get under Donald Trump's famous skin and have him get off message and go on a tirade about something that's meaningless, which we've seen happen before. And so far, the Clinton campaign is not doing that. Well, but they're trying to. They've, they're now pushing this uh, this Russia and Trump hack or, or uh, hacker meme thing that's uh, it's been debunked already. I think it's. I, I think basically Trump has had so many bad things happen to him that it's kind of hard for the, any more shock value to happen. It really is, and I mean, this stuff now is getting too late. And the other thing is, it's becoming almost unbelievable that Vladimir Putin has all of this power that Hillary Clinton and the Democrats seem to give to him. I mean, he's uh, hacked into her emails, he's controlling <laughs> Donald Trump, he's got the FBI now in cahoots with the KGB. Oh, yeah. It it sounds implausible to uh, most Americans. Yeah, most Americans want the salaciousness, which is why the uh, the Trump video, when it came out, was so damning for his campaign, because it was salacious. But now that initial shock and awe is over. People are realizing that, uh, you know... Uh, it's old news, right? And so with the with the Clinton, um, this this email, this illegal server, this this idea that she's corrupt, this has been festering for her entire campaign, even beforehand. And that 
that combined with the WikiLeaks, uh, it really gives the WikiLeaks a lot more credibility, I think, because we were seeing all them, all this information being dumped out from John Podesta's emails, which uh, the Russians actually did hack that, I believe. <laughs> but uh, there's evidence that they sent a phishing scheme to him that he even questioned, but his uh, his own data guy said, nope, go ahead, you need to do it with Google, blah, blah, blah. You can look up that information online. That's a pretty interesting story in and of itself. But every day we were getting this drip, drip, drip of WikiLeaked information. It was very damning, but I think people were just thinking, ah, it's, I don't really trust it, it's not credible. But when the FBI came out again on Friday, that gave it a lot more credibility, right? It did, and I think a lot of reason too people didn't pay a lot of attention to WikiLeaks is the media was downplaying it. The media even uh, went with uh, Hillary Clinton's out-and-out lie that perhaps these emails were altered. Well, guess what? They haven't been altered. <laughs> what we're seeing now is even CNN uh, realizes they were caught and they had to fire Donna Brazil. Yep, that was a pretty neat story where she was uh, caught uh, basically in collusion by giving Hillary Clinton, feeding her the debate questions before the debate. And CNN had a mea culpa moment and said that they were uh, completely, un- it was weird wording they used, but they said they were completely uncomfortable with that setup. I thought that was, uh, I don't know if I would have written their uh, mea culpa uh, like that, but uh, at any rate, Miss Brazil is fired, so uh, good news on that end, right? Although there aren't any more debates for her to rig. <laughs> no, exactly. But I mean, it just, you know, reinforces the big narrative that the Clintons are really the Bonnie and Clyde of American politics. Oh, yeah, that they're above and the they're law. Corrupt. Right? I mean, yeah. I think the biggest question is if Vladimir Putin really wants to dominate U.S. foreign policy, why didn't he just donate to the Clinton uh, Foundation? Oh, it would be much easier, right? I, that was an interesting uh, post you had earlier today. I couldn't tell how much tongue-in-cheek it was, but uh, it had a little bit of uh, truth behind it, right? <laughs> Which one are you referring to? The, uh, well, the one about uh, Putin donating directly to the Clinton Foundation if he really wanted access. <laughs> well, I mean, seriously, I mean, it's funny, but it's the truth, because, I mean, we've seen this. It's, it was pay-for-play with the Clinton Foundation. Look at the money, too, that they received from Saudi Arabia, from other nations as well, and really what the State Department did, not only uh, were appointments uh, made by Hillary Clinton based on donations by Americans to the uh, Clinton Foundation, we're finding out now, too, she made recommendations on arms deals and other things based on which countries donated to the Clinton Foundation. Right, and what we're seeing is... uh a complete politicization of all these venerated, uh, venerable national institutions. The FBI had, you know, they, they've gone through their challenges, but for the most part, they had had they had rebuilt their reputation. And now, uh, the you know, when Comey came out in July and, and basically said Hillary was guilty, but there was no intent, that really riled Republicans. And now that he came out and said, oh no, we found this other uh, avenue of these leaked things. Now the Democrats are calling for his head, and it's just it, you it. That, but Republicans that, never said he violated the law. They were just upset the, with his, his, um, his uh, I guess, the messenger? <laughs> or the well, message? they had some respect. I mean, remember, Harry Reid and the Democrats, they don't care if they destroy the institution of the FBI. They don't uh, care what institutions they destroy. They know they can say anything they want on the Senate floor, and they cannot be sued for it. We saw, remember, Harry Reid do that with Mitt Romney and the taxes. Yep. And this is going to be really now the Democratic ploy. 
that the FBI is headed by a reformer Republican, and he's trying to throw the election to the Republicans. Yeah, yeah. and I just think that it's it's a little too late to completely change that narrative, especially when, when all they came out with was something that bolstered what most people acknowledge. Even Democrats were, were, were very worried. I mean, basically, don't, don't blame us. We didn't nominate her, folks. It's the Democrats' fault. It's Hillary Clinton's fault. More than 30,000 documents destroyed. I think there should be a year in jail for each document you destroyed. That should put her away for a long time. If it was anybody else, <laughs> you would be facing something like that. Yeah, hey... Uh, but the okay. interesting thing is the impact this is having on the U.S. Senate races across the country. I was about to say, let's talk a little bit... Uh, you know, let's hit the Senate races. I think we've talked a lot, and we can talk a little bit about the difficulty of the electoral map for Donald Trump uh, after our 2.30 break, but let's let's hit the Senate races uh, and which ones you think that the Republicans have a fighting chance in now uh, that might not have been in reach a couple of weeks ago. I definitely think Indiana, Pennsylvania, and New Hampshire... And Wisconsin now, which everybody had conceded to the Democrats, all of a sudden seems in play. The Democratic senatorial committees rushing in money to try to help Russ Feingold. And Republican groups that had ridden off Ron Johnson all of a sudden are throwing in major cash contributions to try to bolster him. So Wisconsin could be a sleeper race right now. Yeah, but I still say it goes back to Indiana, Pennsylvania, and New Hampshire. Those three races, whichever party carries two of those three seats wins the U.S. Senate. And right now you've got Kelly Ayotte in uh, New Hampshire. And New Hampshire. she's holding on to a nominal lead, and I think, too, this latest FBI revelation helped her because Hassan, her opponent, automatically came out, dismissed it, said Hillary Clinton had done nothing wrong. And I think what we're seeing is in New Hampshire, people don't want a rubber stamp for Hillary Clinton. Right, and and New Hampshire voters are very independent. I mean, they're they're called the Granite State, but they are known for basically uh, they don't really like being dependent on the federal government, and they will vote uh, they will vote in a Republican, even though the geography says that should be safe Democrat country. So that. Uh, that, to me, looks like Kelly can hold on to that one. In Indiana, uh, Evan Bayh, who was the former... he Was a, was he a congressman or a senator? Somebody? He was a senator and former okay. governor. He was okay. extremely yeah. popular. Yeah, so he's... that Indiana, obviously, we missed out a huge opportunity several years ago with uh, Richard Murdoch making the uh, inopportune comments about, um, about women's um, reproductive rights and rape and uh, many other topics that male, old white male Republicans should probably avoid talking about. That was a self-forced error. And so I guess what we're seeing here is Evan Bayh, who's been popular, looked like he had a really good chance to win that. Is that 50-50 now, or how's that one it's looking? It's 50-50. A poll just came out yesterday showed Congressman Young, young uh, Marine, uh, ex-Marine, uh, has basically pulled into a tie, and a lot of that is because Evan Bayh, I mean, after he gave up the Senate seat, he became a D.C. lobbyist. He did keep a condo in Indiana, but he couldn't even remember the address <laughs> to come out that he hadn't voted there. He was an inactive voter. And then it's turning out more and more, too. He spent his last year in the Senate just looking for a job and not representing Indiana. This race is basically a toss-up right now. Right. Everyone thought it was one. Bai had $10 million left over from his uh, last senatorial campaign. Massive name recognition, extremely popular. It's a dead-even st uh, state, and in the Indiana, Donald Trump may actually help the nominee. 
and that's because he's polling so strongly in Indiana with Mike Pence on the ticket that his coattails might actually carry Young to victory. That would be outstanding. And then that would take us to Pennsylvania, where that's another uh, Republican-held seat right now. Pat Toomey, I believe, is the senator, correct? Pat Toomey, strong conservative. He forced Arlen Specter out of the Republican Party. Yeah, well, and Arlen quickly switched, uh, and he was the 60th vote for Obamacare. So we'll, we won't forget that, Arlie. Thanks. Uh, so Pennsylvania, if that, I guess, I guess if we look at that on the electoral map side, if that's in play at all for Donald Trump, then it certainly would lead somebody to think that an incumbent senator, uh, even though it's not to typically a Republican stronghold, that they'd have a fighting chance to win. Pat Toomey came in during the uh, kind of the Tea Party revolution back in 2010, and uh, that was a non-presidential election year. This time we're seeing the dynamics of a presidential election work its way through. And uh, what what's that one polling at right now? That race seems uh, really a toss-up as well. Some polls have Toomey slightly ahead. Others have McGinnity, the Democrat, slightly ahead. That one's really difficult. Uh, Toomey's outpolling Trump by about 5 to 7% based wow. on the poll you see. Okay. The Philadelphia suburbs, though, really are the key question marks. Traditionally, a Republican stronghold, uh, they don't like Trump's stand on women's issues, and Trump's uh, polling badly there, and he's hurting Toomey in those areas. That one, though, if Trump wins uh, Pennsylvania, not only does he win the White House, he probably carries Pat Toomey to victory as well. I was about to say. All right, well, cool. Well, let's Hey, David, let's take our uh, break here. Um, we'll come back. We'll talk a little bit about the uh, Presidential Electoral College because uh, North Carolina obviously is a must-win. Uh, our caller calling in at 245 will kind of give us a report on the ground from there. But uh, I wanted to talk to you about what Trump has to do, what his map needs to look like, where there's any room for error, and uh, we'll circle back on that after the break. See you in a minute on Greg's List. Your auto love and investment demands the best, and for 45 years, Passport Transport has been meeting those demands. From manufacturers to the one-car collectors and all other facets of the auto industry and antique auto hobby. The first and the finest with unequaled service and peace of mind. Passport Transport, your auto transportation company. Contact PassportTransport.com with your need today. Passport Transport. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctors' conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com. 
the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And welcome back to Greg's This Live, the home of serious journalism, only on America's Web Radio.com. We're here with David Johnson, uh, principal of Strategic Vision, a nationally renowned uh, political consulting and strategery firm, not strategy firm. But uh, so, David, we were talking about the Senate races. You mentioned three. Uh, w- the Wisconsin one is Ron Johnson, uh, probably still down a little bit on that. Uh, Sheldon Adelson has pledged a decent amount of money, though. Is that some of this money that's coming to flood uh, these these? battleground states it is uh also we're seeing too mitch mcconnell's uh, super PAC is going in there as well and the club for growth is going in also into wisconsin and now uh right before the sh- show i saw a report where the republican senatorial committee which had basically ridden off that state is sending a million bucks into uh, wisconsin as well that's great. And, uh, you know, the, the, there is a, uh, certainly a Republican boots on the ground mechanism in Wisconsin, basically thanks to Governor Scott Walker and his recall effort. And, uh, so I do believe if they get their ground game there, that that can really turn the, turn the corner for Republicans. We do have a history of being successful with a ground game there. So, uh, speaking of Wisconsin, is that state at all in play this cycle? It's always a Republican dream, or it has been since, I guess, what, 88 was probably the last time we won that um i don't know I'd 84 was the last time we went with ronald reagan wow it's always been a republican dream we always fall short <laughs> although a lot of times we fall short because of democratic cheating that's definitely what happened in 2000 2004 so there's a so it, it absent any changes though there i mean i'm sure the democrats are going to continue not rigging elections but engaging in voter fraud there is a difference between rigging and voter fraud democrats are pretty complicit with voter fraud they haven't yet been able to rig elections right? no but scott walker's built up a strong organization which is going to turn out for uh, donald trump the other thing is too we see the trump campaign making a late play for that state and Hillary Clinton is up on the air. She had not advertised at all in Wisconsin. And all of a sudden, at the end of last week, uh, she began buying airtime. That tells me more than anything that it has to be closer than polls are showing. How much is this early voting uh, impacting the, uh, or how much has it impacted the political cycle now? I mean, in Georgia, we started on October 17th. You pretty much can go up until 7 p.m., I believe, on Friday, November 4th to early vote. We've seen 1.4, probably by now, 1.5 million Georgians already vote. Uh, do they, the people that early vote do themselves a disservice when they... When, they and, do, because what if a story breaks, you know, <laughs> the last couple kinda like of Friday, days? Kind of like Friday afternoon, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but I what's mean, it, interesting with some of these early votings is Republicans are actually holding a slight lead in some of these states. Not necessarily saying they're all voting for Donald Trump, but take Florida for example. Republican early voters have continued outperform Democratic early voters, and that should be a sign of concern for Hillary Clinton right now. Right. What I'm also seeing is uh, that the African-American vote is down about 10% in North Carolina, and I would wager probably in other in other states, just because you're it never going to be able that to... that across the board. You're just not going to be able states. to... They're just not going to be able to... I mean, the Obama 2008 was probably the high watermark just because of the, the real historic occasion of that, and because at the time, Obama was fairly charismatic. 
problematic and had somewhat of a centrist message. Uh, obviously, their turnout machine was able to hang on to a comfortable enough margin. They were down 5 million popular votes in 2012. But 2016, with a with crooked Hillary, basically a recycled candidate, uh, the first woman president, that, that narrative isn't quite as exciting when you it have such a corrupt... She doesn't have the strong connections with the minority community as well. She's never been able to establish that. Right. And we're not just seeing it with African Americans, we're seeing it with Latinos as well. Yeah, so Trump's big, I guess, big problem with the Latino vote is not nearly as pronounced versus a Hillary Clinton as it probably would be against uh, Obama, right? No, it isn't. And what's interesting about that is states like Colorado are supposed to be off the field right now because Hillary went up with heavy advertising. Latino vote was going to carry her to victory in Colorado. Mm-hmm. She went back on the air today. That tells me that that state's far narrower than what Democrats thought it was going to be. Yeah, Trump, it seems like he's got some super PACs. I know they can't, uh, quote-unquote, coordinate directly with the uh, the candidate, but he does seem like he's been on the air more. Now, we in Georgia, I think the Democrats have been spending money in Georgia because you, you do see Clinton and Trump ads on. Uh, it seems like Trump has finally gotten his act together and, and, and gone on the air in some of these critical um uh, states. The problem was, you know, with this early voting, if you if you're really not out in two months in advance, then then you probably do lose a swath of the early voters. Oh, exactly. And don't forget, he's been outspent as well. He's been very reluctant to cut checks for his own campaign. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think. Uh, but that, I think that's what's amazing. Mm-hmm. Even having been outspent three to one, um, outmanned because she definitely has more people on her uh, organization mm-hmm. than he does. Basically, we're at a tied race right now, and based on some of the tracking polls, he's now ahead. Right. and, and But the main thing is, obviously, you're not going to win California and New York as a Republican, but you have no. to win Florida, and you have to win Ohio. Um, and and, if, and if, North Carolina yeah, as well. Yep, and, then, and obviously North Carolina. Virginia is really not in play anymore. Tim Kaine, I think, uh, really secured that for the Democrats. And unfortunately, that's gone uh, Democrat the past uh, couple of cycles. And, it uh, has, but what's interesting is some of the Democratic top surrogates are going back into Virginia. Wow. And so, I mean, whether it's in play or not, what's interesting, what you have to watch at now more than anything, is where is Hillary Clinton, Tim Kaine, Bill Clinton, Michelle Obama, and Barack Obama campaigning? That tells you the states they're worried about. Yeah, and Obama has been in uh, Florida uh, recently. The good news for Florida is Marco Rubio looks pretty comfortable against uh, Patrick Murphy down there, and Rob Portman looks very comfortable in Ohio. And those were two seats that the Democrats were thinking. That was on their wish list or their dream list, but they were thinking that, uh, I think they were really thinking Ohio was going to be in play. It was, but I mean, Rob Portman uh, really has run a smart campaign he raised a lot of money. He defined himself and his opponent very early, and he's never let up. And that's the way you win a race in a difficult election year. Right, and that's why, you know, when I look at the Trump campaign, I do feel a little bit of, of, of pain that, that we weren't able to define Hillary Clinton quite as early as we needed to. Uh, obviously, anything that we can do to um, cut down the enthusiasm of her voters is great. Uh, I think we have, what would you say the percentage of, do we have any more undecideds right now? Are people really going to w- look at these next seven days and say, you know what, I was leaning Hillary, but now I'm going Trump or vice versa, or is it more? 
or where you have the never Trumpers that may say, you know what, a Trump cabinet is going to be far better for, for the future of this country than we cannot risk a Hillary a Supreme Court and a Hillary cabinet. Is that kind of what we're, we're looking at? We're seeing some of the never Trumpers move back, not a lot of them yet. Okay. We still have some undecided. I still think, though, it'll be this coming weekend when the dam breaks for Hillary Clinton, very much like it did Jimmy Carter. Look, the one thing both parties need to realize right now, this is for everything. Uh, it's for not only Congress and the White House. Whoever wins is going to set the course of this country for the next 30 or 40 years with their Supreme Court nomination. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the danger is some of our our Bill of Rights, some of the Ten Amendments, were hanging on by five to four decisions. And, um, you know, I'll well, get and a- we've already seen this past week with that story got lost, thankfully. Against Clarence Thomas, the Democrats are already laying the groundwork to begin going to try to force conservative justices off of the court right now. Well, and of, of course they want to do that because if they can get anything that would uh, that would further, uh, uh, you know, an activist uh, judicial system that would uh, whittle away our, our 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 Bill of Rights and expand rights to people that frankly weren't born here and um, expand the, the the voting base with the illegal immigration, that's exactly what their game plan is, and that's kind of the risk that we're we're facing, isn't it? Exactly. Yep. All right. Well, David Johnson, I appreciate you calling in. Um, it's hard to do predictions. I'm not. I don't know if I'm going to do a prediction this year. I, uh, I. I mean, basically, Trump has to run a perfect map. But it's interesting you pointing out some of these states that the Democrats are actually going back into. I will say, Trump has sent his family to Georgia a lot, so he's certainly not ignoring us down here in the Peach State. So that maybe that's well, you can't ignore anything in an election cycle like this. I mean, it is so unpredictable. Yeah, it really is, and these next seven days are going to be fun. The good news is uh, after Friday, the early voting is over, so everybody will have either locked in their vote or you'll have a final chance to reach out to all the voters. And, David, I want your opinion on ballot bleed. I had prefaced it a little bit early in the show, but it really can um, result in a 20% or more from top-ticket um, races to lower-ticket races, can it? Oh, it really does, especially, I think, a cycle like this, where you're going to see uh, people showing up just for one uh, race. And that would be the presidential race in, in, in most cases. So, all right, David Johnson, Strategic Vision. Uh, thanks for always, as, uh, Thank thanks, you. as always, for calling in. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. All right. Thanks, David. And we will be back in a few minutes with Rachel Dodsworth on. But uh, I did want to uh, reiterate this point about making sure you vote all the way down the ballot. In Georgia, you'll have four uh, constitutional amendments to choose from. I think I've done a pretty good job with uh, some guests that helped educate people the past uh, a couple weeks here. All of those podcasts are now posted on my page at americaswebradio.com. We've gone through Amendment 1, 2, and 3, or Question 1, 2, and 3, pretty thoroughly. Early and Amendment 4 has something to do with fireworks and setting up a uh, independent burn or trauma ward with the revenue or taxes garnered through that. So 2 is a safe harbor amendment that uh, deals with human sex trafficking and child sex trafficking. Amendment 1 is the opportunity school districts. Amendment 3 is the judicial qualification um, question, which would uh, it's pretty complicated, so I encourage you guys to listen to my show from last week when we had uh, Catherine Bernard on, an attorney, and we also had Jason Downey, another. It was like attorney week last week on the show here, but Jason gave a uh, 
a, a an outlook on Amendment 1 that was not so positive the week before I'd had uh, Nancy Jester on, and she had been the pro-Amendment 1. So I think you'll be able to get both sides of the amendment questions. And make sure you go to the ballot box and, you know, kind of understand it. If you don't understand any of the amendment questions, you know, the the... I guess the fallback response is just to say no to everything. Um, I would encourage you guys to really take a look at these amendments, though, because uh, they are quite important. Anytime the state of Georgia Constitution is going to be changed, you need to pay a look close attention to it. We'll be back. Rachel Dodsworth from North Carolina, Adsworth Media. You're listening to Greg's List. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. When four members of Congress all die within four months, each of their deaths appears to be from natural causes. But when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long-dead revolutionary heroes, one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. His search discovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren. On Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Obamacare is failing. We all know that, but you need to know why and what you can do to get us back on the right track. Visit us at ObamacareWatch.org. This is Grace Marie Turner of the Galen Institute. Join us at ObamacareWatch.org. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And welcome back to Greg's List Live, the home of serious journalism, only on America's WebRadio.com. We are seven days away from the 2016 election. Feels like we've been building up to this for quite some time now. We're joined now from uh, North Carolina by our great friend, Rachel Dodsworth from Adsworth Media. Rachel, welcome back to Greg's List. How you been? Hey, Greg. Thanks for having me online. I'm uh, glad to be back and uh, getting in the final countdown here. Yeah, I mean, you're in North Carolina, so that is one of the absolutely most critical states if Republicans are going to win the White House. It's it's a can't-lose state for Donald Trump, really. Uh, you also have uh, Governor McCrory on the ballot, who had a little bit of uh, infamy with the uh, the bathroom bill, and uh, that's kind of a sign of the culture wars, if you will. And also, uh, uh, Senator Burr, uh, is uh, that's a critical seat for Republicans. It looks like he's doing pretty well uh, in the polls there. But uh, it's all about turnout at this point, isn't it? Yep, turnout it is. Um, some key things that are interesting with North Carolina, it is a huge swing state. But uh, I recently voted early, and you'd be surprised, but there are no constitutional amendments on our ballot. 
<laughs> so the ballot's very favorable for Republicans, um, in my opinion, with these top top ticket items. Um, so no, no, there's nothing with the bathroom laws on there. <laughs> um, so it's a pretty clean ballot, uh, which I think is in favor for Republicans for sure. So basically you're saying that there is no uh, wedge issue that's showing up that would uh, artificially drive out turnout, right? Correct, yeah. Like no legalizing marijuana, you know, <laughs> nothing like that. Very clean ballot, just our Senate seats, all the the governor's race. And so that's a really key thing to me in swing states is seeing what's on the ballot, uh, you know, because that's another way they can drive turnout to undecided um, is with, you know, ballot amendments. Um, so that's an important factor. And I think, you know, Trump, I mean, he might be able to pull off North Carolina. I think so. I think Pat McCrory, the governor, has some good momentum on the side. But, you know, with Charlotte, it's still hit or miss. So we have to remember the DNC held their convention there. Um, and so they still have a pretty strong ground game present. Right. And it's, um, you know, it's a very educated state. Obviously, you have the, the schools like uh, UNC and Duke and kind of the Tobacco Road area, NC State up in Raleigh. Um, you got the, the Outer Banks. Physically, what North Carolina is a massive state. You have the mountains in the Asheville area. So you've just got a very uh, diverse state uh, from a t- topography basis. And, uh, you know, Obama won in 2008. Mitt Romney won it in 20. 20- 12 and it is literally tied right now between uh, Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump uh, according to pretty much the average of the polls not just I don't look at the most recent poll or the most favorable poll for Republicans but the you know the average poll now obviously we're going to see some damage from uh, the uh, FBI revelation that Miss Clinton is not exactly uh, uh, of getting off scot-free, I think that will definitely have some kind of impact. And again, it is all about turnout. So the Democrats have a a difficult um, task in matching the turnout from 2012. Obviously, in 2008, they weren't able to get that same turnout, but they were able to get more of a turnout than the Republicans did in 2012. It's a real challenge for them to match that this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually voted early, and I waited in line. Um, <laughs> to vote early so turnout is very high i started seeing alcu uh in charlotte maybe over a year ago you know starting with the hillary vote another interesting thing is we only have three presidential candidates on our ballot you'll um, have the liberty okay. the only third one third party that made it okay um so yeah turnout is is pretty big i haven't waited in early voting lines before to be honest Science. So that was good. I have seen buses coming. Um, so it's kind of hard to tell who's going for who. What um, um, what kind of we we in Georgia here, which is probably a good thing for to some people, but we have a a really a relative dearth of uh, yard signs, especially for presidential races. I'm seeing a lot more Johnny Isaacson, or uh, you know, in State House District 81, I see a lot of Lane Flynn signs, of course. But we are really not seeing that many signs uh, in our area. What's what's it like up there? You're in Charlotte area, so it should be correct. Pretty- yeah, not seeing many Trump signs and. I've only seen one Hillary sign in the Charlotte area. You must live in a good area. (laughs) Yeah, I went out to the mountains, and, oh, there's Trump signs everywhere. Really? Okay. Western Carolinas. Okay, well, yeah, that's the Appalachian area, and you would expect, I mean, if Trump doesn't do extremely well there, then then North Carolina is going to be a lost cause, I'd imagine. 
Yeah, the one interesting turn of events in North Carolina is we did have a voter ID law, Mm -hmm. but I guess the courts challenged that. And when I went to vote, you did not need it. Um, So basically, what did did you do? You just went in to vote, said, hi, I promise I'm Rachel Dodsworth. Please let me vote. Is that that what happened? Yep, that's (laughs) all we did. (laughs) Oh, my God. But there could be some confusion with that that might suppress turnout. Because everyone thought, including myself, because last election they told us you'll need an ID. Um, yeah, God forbid you should actually have to show some kind of photo ID to main, maintain the integrity of our elections. I mean, that is just mm-hmm. a horrible law to have. I cannot believe that any state would have the gall to request or, or demand that you, you show your ID. That's just bizarre. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, it's that's a pretty big court case, so... You know, I'm not sure if that really got down to the actual voters. Um, so, yeah, you can vote in North Carolina without an ID right now. Well, lucky lucky y'all. I'm sure there won't be any voter <laughs> fraud there, right? Um, hey, I got, <laughs> so, uh, so Gary Johnson is on the ballot there, and he has actually been, from the research, e- e- taking equally from Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, normally the third party, if it's somebody that, that, that expresses a love for America and the Constitution, they usually take votes just away from the Republican voter. So in this case, we're not seeing that uh, dynamic. And I also think that any of these polling numbers for the third parties are way overblown right now. They, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in Georgia, they'll poll for anywhere from five to ten percent pre-election day. By the time the election rolls around, their real turnout is three percent or under. Now we can argue whether or not that's a good thing, but it's just the reality, right? Yeah, and the other thing too that I'm noticing in North Carolina is, as you mentioned, the uh, transgender bathroom yes. uh, law. Um, so essentially, the attorney general is a Democrat, and he's running against Pat McCrory. So it's kind of made almost a hostile environment, if you will. So people are intimidated to openly endorse Pat McCrory. I, in fact, had lunch with Pat a couple weeks ago, and mm-hmm. he was saying, like, we gotta, people need to feel comfortable putting my yard sign out. They say they support me, but they'll whisper it, um, <laughs> just because nobody wants to get dragged into the hb2 transgender bathroom like discussion right so yeah and a lot of people out there that just in this climate might be afraid to yeah visibly show the support well and i think we've seen that with trump for sure i was at a Mm -hmm. chinese chamber of commerce uh, event a couple sundays ago in uh in doraville and you know we were campaigning and our literature says republican on it and the asian community for some reason is uh it skews democrat i do think that that's a huge opportunity for republicans we Mm -hmm. just need to get out there in that community and and explain why our vision is better for for everybody's future in the country including asian americans but i had at least a dozen um asian voters come up to me and say hey you're republican and i am too but they kind of whispered it because they didn't want their everybody else to know it and i i remember thinking to myself you know what if all of you guys got together and said that you were supporting trump then you wouldn't have to whisper so uh and there actually was a huge event in uh at, uh, I think it was Gwinnett Airport, but it was Asians for Trump, and uh, our friend Jay Lynn was, was part of a group that uh, went out, and uh, I've, I've got a lot of pictures here that they just sent me as part of a press release, and I, I do see Trump doing better with some of these um, you know, minority groups, maybe not the Hispanics necessarily, but I, I think it's not too hard to get more black votes than Mitt Romney did. So if he can, mm-hmm. if he could get more than that, that would be a huge boon, especially in a state like North Carolina. Oh yeah, I think people 
um, are kind of tired of, they see what he's done, they see the American dream, building yourself up and creating wealth, and I think people like that, I think they want to be given the tools to succeed, you know, instead of government handouts. Um, I saw Trump recently speak, and I know this is just kind of a blatant throwaway line he uses, but like, what do you have to lose? And he's always right. Um, you know, just same old, you doing the same old things, not improving your neighborhoods, or why not go the conservative way and educate you, empower you, and get you ready for the job market to start, you know, adding the economy, you know, building yourself up, helping your family grow. Yeah, so I think, yeah, there's a lot of opportunity there. I think people want that. I think they're hungry for it. Well, and, and as you mentioned, you've been uh, friendly to Trump um, pretty much this whole election. Certainly you've never been a never-Trumper, and you've been um, – You've been positive about him, uh, you know, kind of throughout this. You mentioned, you know, a lot of people in your generation, which you're, you know, about eight, ten years younger than I am. But the Art of the Deal book came out, and you said that that was pretty formative for people that you knew, peers and other folks. And so Trump's been in the public eye for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so he knows how to handle it. Um I mean, some interesting tactics I'm starting to hear on the ground that he's deploying are somewhat voter suppression in areas where uh, Hillary might do better by reminding people of the negatives of her. Uh, so he's kind of playing a different game than we're used to in politics. And it's kind of one we can't necessarily see, like how people say he has no ground game. Yeah, well, doing other things. well, I was going to say he he was able to get. I mean, his name ID has got to be a hundred percent. So there's exactly. it, it's more his resources need to be used to shore up his PR, his image, and to also show people how corrupt Hillary Clinton is, and to illustrate mm-hmm. it in a way that maybe maybe they haven't heard. It's very some of the the uh, the accusations against Hillary Clinton are a little. Um, I guess nebulous, right? People are like, mm-hmm. oh, what's an email server? I don't understand it. But when you can do a 30 second or a 60 second ad and just point out visually all of her, her just nefarious connections, that is very impactful on voters. Oh, yeah. I'm starting to see a lot of Trump TV ads in North Carolina. Um, he didn't have those. He, he comes to North Carolina maybe every other day. <laughs> um, I went to a, a conference or a rally and i mean did you go to the one last week say, uh i think it was a couple weeks ago okay. I, I think say it was like going to a concert yep. there were easily five six thousand people there That's it was idea. nothing i've ever seen before in politics oh, all right well um, rachel dodsworth adsworth media we're coming up at the end of the show great to hear from you again i'm glad your 30-day facebook hiatus is over uh you were uh, <laughs> you were successful when you said you were out you were gone for 30 days it so was easy. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, listen, guys, uh, make sure you do vote. And as I've mentioned a couple of times already, go vote all the way down the ballot if you're Republican. If you're Democrat, just vote for president. That's fine. But uh, we'll see. We'll see you next week on Greg's. Right. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Rachel. And thank you, David Johnson, for calling in. See you soon. Bye bye. You're listening to America's dot com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.